0: Welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. My name is Doug Wortham, and I have the distinct pleasure of hosting today's show. Today, we have a NORAX themed show in honor of the Minnesota National Guard's upcoming Norwegian Exchange. We're going to have the opportunity to chat with two host families, and then we're going to listen to an interview that I conducted while I was in Norway um, earlier in 2023, celebrating the 50th anniversary of that reciprocal exchange. But first, it's time for, generally speaking, a weekly message from the Adjutant General of the Minnesota National Guard, Major General Sean Mankey.
1: The Minnesota National Guard has long trained for emergency contingencies when civilian authorities call for help. We have trained for severe flooding, out of control wildfires, and search and rescue missions. Now our Airmen and Soldiers are training for a new threat. Cyber warfare is an internet-based conflict involving politically motivated attacks on information and information systems. Cyber warfare attacks can disable official websites and networks, disrupt or disable essential services, steal or alter classified data, and cripple financial systems. The Minnesota National Guard has full-time staff whose job is to track cyber issues and keep us ahead of a cyber attack. We have also identified traditional drilling members of the force who are capable of being called up to fight a cyber attack or cyber triggered emergency. Such an emergency would require a coordinated response across multiple levels of government. We are continuing to work with other state, local, and federal agencies to develop our interoperability and plans for various scenarios. I am proud to tell you that your Minnesota National Guard continues to conduct cyber response rehearsals annually, ensuring that as threats like these evolve, we are always ready, always there.
0: Thank you, General Mankey. For more information, please go to minnesotamilitaryradio.com. I am remote with uh, this segment of the show. We've been talking about uh, the Norex, and uh, I'm visiting with one of the host families for this year's Norwegian Exchange. I'm down here with the Danzig family, uh, Daniel and Georgette. Uh, welcome to Minnesota Military Radio.
2: Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Happy to be here. Thank you.
0: It's so great to be visiting with you in your home and your your pets, and we're going to have a quiet show, I know, because we've uh, we've. Uh, giving some treats to the dog, and the cat just came in, had nothing to do with us, so it's going to go find itself to sleep, or a place to sleep. Um, But anyway, thanks so much for having me uh, out at your home so we can uh, talk about the hosting that you're gonna be doing for Norex. And um, you know, there's multiple reasons why people wanna host uh, families or the home guard, and uh, I think that you've got just a fantastic story. This isn't your first time. Georgette, I wanna start with you. Tell us just a little bit about why it is that you wanna host or you started hosting.
2: Yeah, so um, for me, this is deeply personal. Um, My father's side came from Norway, um, and so I have very deep, deep roots in Trondelag. Anyone who knows me (laughs) will laugh at that. And I have deep roots in Telemark as well. So for me, hosting is so personal because these are my people. You know, um, it's my culture, it's my second language and what better way to just give back and connect with my culture and my heritage and, you know, just being a part of this incredible allied partnership through the military that I think is so unique and special.
0: And I think we should point out that both of you actually um, have served our Minnesota National Guard. Um, Dan, you're a colonel, currently serving out at the 133rd, the medical group. You've been to Norway a few times. And uh, Georgette, you retired. You served in the Army and in the air, and then you retired in uh, 2017. Uh, So Dan, I know that you didn't get to go on an exchange at all, but you've been to Norway a few times for some training missions? Um, It's
3: actually been traveling there for a conference that I did, um, but also to see some of Georgette's family. That's what got us over there initially.
0: Yeah, and what a beautiful country it is. And then, uh, Georgette, I know you got to go on the exchange. So uh, the great thing about that is you got the opportunity then to go see some old family history.
2: I sure did. Um, My first Norex was Norex 40, so that was in 2013 and my second Norex was Norex 43 in 2016. And so both times, um, first of all, I went as a a staff member and both times during the buddy weekend, I was able to stay with my family and it was just incredible.
0: And so going, having the opportunity through the Minnesota National Guard, go over to Norway, spend time with your Norwegian family, Uh, that had to be some motivation for you then to wanna return that same favor back here in the U.S.
2: Absolutely, uh, without a doubt. And in fact, um, one of our very special guests... Uh, that we hosted in either 2018 or 2019 is the son of one of our friends who is a Norwegian military officer that we met or that I met in 2013. So when I found out his son was coming um, a few years later, I said, my goodness, let, let us host you. Um, and so he just returned um, to visit us over the summer um, and brought his girlfriend for vacation. And it was wonderful to have them back
0: what a what a great deal now dan um you know for the five years or so that you all have been hosting um what what kind of activities do you generally uh, try to schedule or get set
3: up for the uh, home guard uh, soldiers that come we try to take them uh, all over the cities to see a lot of sites Um, we like to take them flying i'm a private pilot so we try to take them to go get cheese curds over in wisconsin uh, flying Uh, Sometimes we take them axe throwing. I mean, whatever kind of uh, things that they want to do. We like to take them shopping, you know, depending on what what they want to go see, whether it's more of the Mall of America or things like Walmart to Target. Yeah.
0: Well, that's really interesting. Wow. So you want to get on uh, your host family list if you want to do some flying and go get cheese curds in Wisconsin. Now, one of the things, Georgette, that you talked about, a place that you like to bring people, is somewhere actually pretty special, which ties right into your heritage. Why don't you tell me a little bit about that?
2: It sure does. So um, I consider myself a Norwegian-American, and I am pretty active in the Norwegian-American community here in the Twin Cities. And so I like to take our guests to Norway House, and I'd like to take them to Mindesherken. And both are co-located in Minneapolis, and Mindesherken is a Norwegian-American Lutheran church. And that is where I have been taking Norwegian lessons on and off for over 10 years. Uh, so that place is very special to me. And Norway House, which is co-located with Mindesherken, um, is a great meeting house for discovery of Norwegian culture and heritage. Um, we have hosted you know, numerous VIPs to include um, Queen Sonia last October. Um, I'm also a member of Laksalaget, which is a women's organization. Um, We're a 5013C nonprofit. And our mission is to provide scholarships for uh, young women to study abroad in Norway and for Norwegian women to come here and study abroad in Minnesota.
0: So you've got like just some long history. I mean, obviously the family in Norway. And uh, before we started recording today, I got a nice long history, uh, which was fantastic about your family. And and I can just see the pride that you have. So it must be really something when you have somebody from Norway, one of these Norwegian exchange uh, personnel coming in to spend a little bit of time with you and your family here
2: yeah it, it's very special it it's It's really hard to put words to it um, because it's just so deeply meaningful. And I want to emphasize that th- you know these are deep friendships that are formed. They are lifelong friendships, not only uh, with the the home Guard youth that we host, but also just being a prior member of norax on the exchange you know keeping in touch with many of the officers and ncos you know from norway um that i now go back and and visit every couple of years
0: so you do have the opportunity then to go back to norway and uh and then you look these people up and and you know it's like a big old family reunion
2: Absolutely is. And, you know, now that we've been hosting, um, it's very special uh, when we have when they have the um, Norwegian dinner, you know, up at Camp Ripley or the farewell banquet, because I get to see a lot of old friendly faces that I now call friends.
0: Now, Dan, I'll come back to you. Um, What do you think is the most uh, fun about hosting on a weekend?
3: It's just getting to know them for their own culture. Um, I don't know as much Norwegian as, as my wife, but I get to know some, I get to practice some Norwegian because I've taken a, um, a beginner's class in Norwegian. But it's getting to know just more about their culture um, and then sharing with them more of our culture. It's finding out just how much they, they think they know from maybe TV, watching uh, uh, American TV, but getting, you know, getting them more educated on what we, what we are here in the U.S. about in, in Minnesota.
0: You know, I have to imagine that it's uh, great to experience that culture. Um, what What is one of the things generally that uh, when you have a, a, a home guard person here, what is like that one thing almost all of them say, hey, we want to go do this, besides shopping, because I always know that's a big deal?
3: Definitely places to eat, fast food places. Um, I don't know, McDonald's, Taco Bell, they, they want to try those things. They haven't had them already. Yeah, I know that
0: the uh, pricing is, uh, has been, you know, kind of a crazy thing, and shopping is always a big deal. Um, so we've got just 15 seconds. George. I'm gonna let you close out. What would you like to say to other families who might be thinking about hosting?
2: If you're on the fence about doing it, do it. There is nothing better than having this experience, and I promise you won't regret it, and you're going to walk away with some really special friends.
0: Georgette, Dan, thanks for opening your home up to me to let me come out and spend a little bit of time with you and and just hear about your experiences. I wish that we had a lot more time, but this is the way it works in radio. We have just a short amount of time, so thanks so much for being with me.
3: Thank you. Thank you for having us.
0: This is Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Doug Wortham, and this is the norex Theme show and calling in... Uh, to the uh, show today is a currently serving member of the Minnesota Army National Guard. It's Command Sergeant Major Shane Hibben. And uh, Command Sergeant Major, welcome to Minnesota Military Radio.
4: Thank you very much. I really appreciate uh, you inviting me on.
0: Yeah, so, you know... the the reason why uh, we're doing this show, of course, is, uh, you know, we're celebrating the big Norwegian exchange uh, that's been going on with 50-plus years now, uh, the Minnesota National Guard. And one of the things that happens when that Home Guard unit comes over, um, you know, we're looking for host families. And uh, I understand that uh, you've signed up to be a host family, and this is your first year doing it, huh?
4: Yes, this is the first year that I've been accepted. I did sign up once before, but just not. I didn't get the opportunity to do it. Um, just with. The active drill schedule, it's always difficult. Uh, many times we're drilling on the weekend that they're they're coming in. So this is my first opportunity. I'm really excited about it.
0: Well, and we should let people know that you are an active member, um, as I stated, of the Minnesota Army National Guard. And, and you're serving as the command sergeant major up at Camp Ripley at the 175th Regional Training Institute. So I can imagine you've got a lot of weekends filled with getting to the schoolhouse training that's being conducted up there.
4: We certainly do. So it, it doesn't always allow the opportunity. This year it does, and I'm really excited about it.
0: And so, how long have you been serving in the Minnesota National Guard?
4: So I just uh, just hit my thirty three year mark. Um so I've been serving in Minnesota Guard about twenty seven of the total years.
0: And so obviously, over that time, you've seen and heard about the Norwegian exchange. And, uh, you know, you've seen, I'm, I'm assuming, these uh, the home guard kids coming in and leaving every year. And um, have you had the opportunity to go to Norway as well?
4: Yes, in uh, 2000, I got the uh, opportunity to go to Norex. It was an absolutely wonderful experience, and uh, we had a host family that took very good care of it, care of us. Um, I look forward to doing the same. Uh, and, and the other thing is just knowing that uh, I've also had the opportunity many times to interact with the Norwegians, whether it's been supporting in the biathlon. I just haven't got to do the host weekend. So this is uh, this will be a new one for me.
0: And so tell us a little bit um, about what kind of schedule you're going to have. I mean, I know that uh, you'll you'll pick up or they'll drop off depending on what you sign up for to have your uh, home guard person. And then you're going to have them for the weekend. So you get them on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Sunday. You go back to Camp Ripley to have a band if you're able to participate in that, um, do, are, you, uh, are you already full itineraried up for the weekend, or are you just going to kind of take it by ear and see what that uh, home guard person wants to do?
4: So part of it is that. So we put some thought into it on what we, what we can do. Uh, but it's really going to depend on who we get uh, for Norwegian soldiers, because it could be female soldiers, it could be male soldiers, uh, depending on what they want to do. So I want to help facilitate them to make sure they have a good time and see the things that's important to them. Uh, but there's a lot of opportunity out there. And if we get some more snow, you never know, uh, we could do a little bit of snowmilling. And, yeah, I've got some things on the agenda I'd love to do with them, but we'll see what uh, what Mother Nature has in store for us.
0: Right. And do you know, are you going to be hosting one or two?
4: You know, I, I haven't heard yet. I just got the confirmation email that I will be hosting, hosting, but it didn't say the quantity on it.
0: Yeah, well, I can tell you just from personal experience is that I've hosted uh, as well, and... uh and it was fun because we got home on that Friday. And, you know, they've already had a week long of training. And uh, and we I got them to my house on that Friday night. And uh, that poor soldier sat down on my couch. Uh, we were getting ready for dinner and out like a light. Just let him sleep. He was just so tired. So you might have to allow for some of that with your itinerary as well.
4: Absolutely. Yeah, so we want to push hard and have fun. But at the same time, there's no pressure to do that. Um, I want them to enjoy their time in in Minnesota and the United States. So that's what's important.
0: Yeah, and so tell me a little bit about, um, you know, your family makeup then. So um, is it just going to be you with the soldier? Um, Are you going to get a bunch of other family members together to have some interaction and just learn a little bit about Norwegian culture?
4: Well, it'll start with my wife, Renee. Um, So she is the, uh, I'll say the backbone of our family. And then with that it all, it all kind of depends. There's a lot of people that come and visit our house. So we certainly have the ability to bring many other people over there or go visit others. So I, again, I, I'm trying to keep it open-ended to see what they want to do, but there will be plenty of interaction with other uh, Minnesotans uh, and, and probably many from my family. Yes.
0: Yeah. Perfect. And uh, now what about Norwegian heritage for you? Do you have I do, any?
4: Yes. I'm my, I certainly do. Yes. Um, so my grandpa, his last name was Egan, E-G-G-E-N. And with that, uh, it's directly uh, tied to the Norwegian heritage. Um, I'm, I, at this point, I don't have that last name because it comes from my mother's side. But yes. Uh, so I would say I'm 25% Norwegian, something like that.
0: All right. Well, so um, LEFSA, right? I mean, you're going to yeah. have some of that yeah. or maybe? And, um Really, Ludafish I mean, that's up to you, I guess, but uh, maybe we got to draw okay, the line somewhere. <laughs> yes. Um, all right, so you're going to have this—you uh, don't know if it's going to be one or two. You don't even know if it's going to be male or female. And that, you know, I'm sure you'll find that out, obviously, before you, uh, before you go pick up uh, the soldier. I think the important thing, though, is that you just expose um, whomever you get to the American culture— and, and just have a little bit of fun with them, and uh, and just let them enjoy a little bit about what it's like being a part of the Hibben family.
4: Yes, and absolutely, that that is the whole goal is how can we facilitate a great weekend for these uh, for these soldiers. Um, I'm super excited, and I hope they're as half excited as uh, coming to my house as I am to have them come over.
0: Well, especially—
4: and whatever we end up doing, it'll be fun.
0: Yeah, especially that, you know, you, you had the opportunity to go to Norway. You um, had a host family take care of you. And, you know, in, in a way, you're kind of, you know, giving back a little bit and— uh and I know that uh, often it's, it's difficult to come by host families. Sometimes they're um, a little bit short. And so uh, it's just great that you have the means, the time, this go-around to be able to, to do that.
4: I look forward to doing it for many years to come, uh, as, as I won't have drill upcoming as I retire in May of this year. Uh, so I will no longer have that conflict. So I can continue to do this for a long time.
0: Well, that that's great, and, uh, you know, what a way to stay connected, too, you know. And then, of course, you get the big, uh, I guess it's the American meal that they'll do for you um, on that Sunday night banquet uh, back up at Camp Ripley when you bring your uh, home guard person back to uh, back to Camp Ripley to continue on with their training. So, um, all right, you so you're—
4: be, You can't beat a good—
0: Temporary meal. <laughs> no, no, you, you absolutely cannot. Um, I agree. Just the time you get to spend and, you know, you just enjoy it. And uh, I think it's uh, just a wonderful thing that you're doing that, uh, you know, you've signed up to do it, that you can continue to do it, uh, doing it in the future and all that kind of stuff. So if there's just one thing, one thing in particular, maybe that you're really looking forward to, um, what would that be?
4: Um, truly being outside. Uh, and just in the winter probably having a bonfire that's the one thing i'm looking forward to we can have a camaraderie and maybe we'll we'll pass uh, a warm drink around
0: yeah no i'm, I'm these are um, you know um home uh guard soldiers so they're probably not of legal drinking age here um but maybe they are in norway but um d- does that mean that you're saying you have some akavit or something like that uh, around the house I don't currently, but we can certainly. <laughs> uh, you know what? They, they don't necessarily want it either. But uh, I just had to ask. It was important to do that. Um, all right. Command Sergeant Major uh, Shane Hibben. Uh, you know, we really appreciate, again, what you're doing for our uh, Norwegian exchange, supporting the Minnesota National Guard and doing that. And, and I hope that you really enjoy and embrace this opportunity and you continue to do it for, uh, for years to come.
4: Thank you so much. Thanks for uh, having me on today.
0: Yep, you bet. That is Command Sergeant Major Shane Hibben again, one of our host families for the uh, Minnesota National Guard Norwegian Exchange the reciprocal exchange. This is Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. In a moment, we're going to hear that interview that I talked about with Katie Lunning while I was on the Norwegian Exchange celebrating the 50th anniversary of the reciprocal exchange back in 2023. But first, it's time for the Commissioner's Corner, a weekly update from the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs. Now here's Commissioner Brad Lindsay. Located on the Minneapolis Veterans Home Campus, the Adult Day Center, known affectionately as the Vets Club, helps veterans live at home for as long as possible. With only a few programs like this across the country, Minnesota veterans can come for one to three days a week to participate in fun activities with other veterans while their caregivers can rest and recharge. Eligible veterans, spouses, widows, and gold star parents can enjoy a unique program that provides much needed respite to their caregivers. To learn more about the Vets Club, visit minnesotaveteran.org. Thank you, Commissioner Lindsay. For more information, please go to minnesotamilitaryradio.com. Back in 2023, I had the distinct pleasure to travel with Zach, our engineer, to Norway, celebrating that 50th anniversary of the reciprocal exchange. Up on the mountaintop, I was able to spend some time with Major Katie Lunning, who was the Air Force major who received the Distinguished Flying Cross medal. And we'd like to play for you the interview we conducted at that time. Doug Wortham here with Minnesota Military Radio. And and joining me today is Major Katie Lunning. And Major Lunning is the critical care air transport uh, team nurse, Uh, Also the chief nurse out at the 133rd uh, Medical Group with the Minnesota Air National Guard. And and she's here to talk to us today a little bit about uh, her experiences from the 26th of August, 2021 in Kabul, Afghanistan. Major Lunning, welcome to Minnesota Military Radio.
5: Thank you for having me.
0: So it's great to have you uh, spending some time with us, uh, really to tell and share uh, the story of your experiences in uh, Kapool that day. But before we get there, uh, let's kind of create the uh, the groundwork a little bit. I uh, want to hear a little bit about you, uh, what brought you into the um, Air National Guard, and what your service has been like. So give us a little bit of history about yourself.
5: I had a little bit of a different career path than most. I joined the Air National Guard out of high school, and I hadn't quite decided. I thought I wanted to go to nursing, but I thought joining the Guard would give me some school money, a little experience, as I made sure that's what I wanted. I joined the Air Guard, went to training, and before I was able to start the nursing program, I got recruited by an Army Guard recruiter, and I switched over to the Army Guard. And I was a recruiter in the Army Guard for three years, and it was great, but I knew that nursing was what I wanted to do, so I was able to switch back to the Air National Guard and finished school. I went to Bethel University in St. Paul, got my bachelor's in nursing, and I started nursing in the ICU at the VA in Minneapolis. On the military side, uh, the 133rd Airlift Wing has a group called the SURF-P, which is a long acronym. But basically, it's a domestic operation response team where we train to provide medical support if there was a man-made or natural disaster. And I did that for many years as a critical care nurse. In about 2018 or so, um, we got the option, the opportunity to get a what's called a CCAT team, and that stands for Critical Care Air Transport Team, and there that is a specialized team of three people: a physician with special training. They have to be an emergency physician, a surgeon. Uh, trauma surgeon, emergency, or an anesthesiologist, and a nurse, a critical care nurse, you have to have a certain amount of hours and a certification in critical care, and a respiratory therapist that also has to have a certain amount of hours in critical care. And what you do is you um, provide that in-depth critical care to someone very seriously injured or ill in transport, so typically on an airplane. And we got that uh, unit at our med group, so I was selected to go to training to be the nurse. I finished its two two-week uh, courses to become validated, and I completed that in the winter of, um, or the early spring, I should say, of 2020. And then the opportunity for a shortfall deployment came up in the spring of 2021, and, I, and that's where it all began.
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah, and we'll talk about that uh That training or that mission uh, in 2021 here in just a little bit. But so you spent some time. Initially, you were going to join the Air Guard, but you went into the Army. You said you did some recruiting for the Army National Guard. So where was that recruiting? What was that that assignment?
5: Yes, I was stationed at the Minneapolis TAC. And so I recruited all in the downtown Minneapolis area. That's where I met my husband. And we were together at the same office for a little while. And it was challenging. It was in the uh, later 2000s. So um, the war has been going on for a little while. And recruiting was getting a little more challenging. So it really was a great experience um, learning that Army side of things and kind of putting myself out there. I say I'm an introvert, so I had to kind of play an extrovert for a while as recruiting. So it was a great experience.
0: And so, obviously, um, you used that experience, but you still have this thing kind of pulling at you a little bit. You knew that you wanted to go into uh, the medical field. You still wanted to be a nurse, and uh, the Air National Guard is what gave you that opportunity to do that.
5: Yes, exactly. The Guard and their many, many um, generous education benefits was able to pay for my school, and I have a lot of nurses in my family, grandmas, cousins, aunts, so I just felt comfortable in the nursing realm, and the more I got into it, I knew it was what I wanted to do.
0: And so initially, uh, you're thinking about joining the military. Do you have a long history of military service in your family? Or what really was the draw then?
5: A a little bit. Um, My dad was drafted Vietnam era, and I had an uncle that was in the Guard. So just very mild experience to the military. It was honestly that I had a friend that said, hey, I'm going to join the Guard out of high school. And I thought, why not? I, you know, I knew I wanted to go to college, but I was the type that I was going to pay for it. And I knew I didn't want to waste my time. So I thought that the military would be a good opportunity to gain some skills, get some good training, and then the education benefits.
0: And uh, so total years in the medical field, when did you complete your training? And then uh, I'm just trying to get a base now of of what's going to lead to uh, the events in, in August in Kabul. So how long have you been in that nursing field?
5: Yeah, I graduated Bethel in 2012, so it'll be 11 years this year, uh, all in critical care.
0: All right, so you've got some great experience, and um, you're, you're serving, things are going great, you've got a, a wonderful job at the VA, and uh, and something happens, you know, some, someone might say it's either good luck or bad luck, but the, uh, the deployment uh, to go to Afghanistan isn't something that you were actually scheduled to do, is it?
5: No, not at all. It was something called a, a shortfall. So there was a CCAT team already built up and planned to go to al Udeid, Qatar. And I got called um, with National Guard Bureau and said, hey, we have a shortfall opportunity for a nurse because she was having a family hardship. And would I be interested or available in taking her position? And this was in May. And the deployment originally was to leave in October. And I said, yes. And they called me back and said, hey, could you actually leave in July? <laughs> so I talked to my husband. Um, he's in the military as well. He's uh, AGR in Iowa, Army Guard side. And he, w- he gets it. So he's like, yep, let's just do it. So uh, I found out in about the end of May, got all prepared as best I could, and then I left for Qatar in uh, July of 2021.
0: And so you mentioned your husband already. He's uh, Active Guard Reserve with the Iowa National Guard. He's the recruiting and retention, um, at the time, the command sergeant major of that battalion. But uh, it wasn't just a conversation with him, uh, because you also have a daughter at home, and now you're making a decision to to leave for a short-term Uh, or short notice deployment that uh, was scheduled for, you know, whatever it was, four months or something. Um, How did your daughter take that news? What was that conversation like?
5: Yeah, she had already um, experienced a little bit of mom being gone. Uh, I was part of the state of Minnesota COVID activations with the National Guard. So we went out to long-term care facilities who had staff members that were sick with COVID. And so I did that for about three and a half months. And then that led into the vaccine mission where we went out and did um, vaccine um, places. So I was gone for almost four months in Minnesota. So she had already kind of gone through that and experienced what that was like. So just telling her, you know, we're going to do it again. And she liked to set up Face time and send letters. So we tried to make real special ways that we could stay connected um, while I was gone. So just to keep she bought me a wolf stuffed animal and then she had the smaller wolf at home. So just little ways that we can continue to make memories even though I was gone.
0: And I think that's what's so important. Uh, You know, most people really don't understand the impact that it has on family. And, um, you know, now you're in a dual military family, so your husband's still on active duty. He's got mission inside the recruiting command. You've got a a daughter at home. And that's just a a unique dynamic uh, to have that dual military
5: status. It is, and it keeps us very busy. Um, we've been gotten to be very flexible in knowing each other's schedules and pitching in. We're also very fortunate that we have family that's uh, – they may live in Minnesota, and we're living in Des Moines now, but they help us out as much as they can.
0: All right, we're going to take a, a quick break here, and then when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about the deployment, the events um, that took place in Kabul, And uh, we'll do that in just a little bit. This is Minnesota Military Radio. We've been speaking with Major Katie Lunning, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm Doug Wortham. I'm sitting here with Major Katie Lunning. She's the critical care air transportation team nurse, uh, chief nurse out at the 133rd Medical Group, talking about her military service uh, leading up to events that took place on the 26th of August in uh, 2021. So, uh, Major Lunning, first, welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio.
5: And thank you so much again for having me.
0: So let's get into the meat and potatoes. Um, you know, you've gone through the medical training. Um, you're working out at the VA. You've got great uh, training a- as a nurse in the ICU. And uh, you get this opportunity to go on a deployment uh, very short notice. And uh, your family, of course, uh, supports you. Um, and, uh, and you get the call. So you're ready to go now. Very short notice. What did you have to do to get prepared, though?
5: It was very short notice, so it was mostly just making sure gear and um, I had everything I needed. Trying to make contacts real quickly in Qatar, finding out anything from them that I needed to bring. So it was it was a whirlwind. There's last-minute trainings you have to do as a military member and getting all of those done in a short amount of time.
0: And because it was a short shortfall, Uh, deployment, you were going alone then. You weren't bringing anybody from the 133rd Med Group. This was Major Lunning going to a new unit where you're probably not really knowing anybody at all. Uh, What was that transition like?
5: That's exactly, it was me alone. Um, You know, the military is full of just great people, and I think we're kind of used to seeing people on their own. So it doesn't take very long for to find a friend and find someone to help you out. And the military, I think just succeeds at that at taking each other in and you become fast friends.
0: So I want to make sure we have enough time to, uh, to talk about what happened um, at the Kabul airport. So you get on this deployment and um, you know, you're, you're doing your normal missions. Um, You're uh, the flight nurse, critical care team uh, nurse. What, what was going on? And then, just kind of walk us through the events of the 26th of August in uh,
5: 2021. Yeah, so um has two critical care air transport teams. So we should have two doctors, two nurses, and two RTs, respiratory therapists. Right early August, um, the other nurse broke her knee. She fell off a Peloton, and the other respiratory therapist, his father, passed away from COVID and flew back to the U.S. So now we have two doctors, one nurse, and one respiratory therapist. Because the flow at LUD has been very steady historically, they didn't seek to backfill those two slots because they figured that we could cover it. Now, fast forward just a few days, and we're watching on TV, just like everybody else at home, that Afghanistan is falling rapidly to the Taliban as the Taliban starts on the outside and are working their way in. Bagram officially closed. That is no longer there. So the entire country basically descends onto Kabul. We watched on the TV, just like everybody else, where they're evacuating the embassy, and we were told something's going to happen. Like, you guys are going to be needed. We don't know in what capacity, but get your gear ready. Uh, On the morning of August 16th, we went to fly out, and the flights were turned back because of what you all saw as well on the news. The runways were completely overrun, and the planes were having trouble getting off the runway that were even there. So... All of that had to be taken care of. Um, I was in the hangar because we were back, and they said they needed medical help in another hangar. And we figured that it was a maintenance man who probably twisted an ankle or something. So we walked our way over there, and there was 800 people standing in the hangar, 800 Afghans staring at us. And they were the ones on the airplane um, with the picture, if you saw it, that they put 800 people on that airplane. They were now standing in the hangar with nowhere to go staring at us. They were beat up. They had gotten whipped. They had rocks thrown at them. They had been running for days through the rough Afghan terrain, um, to get on an airplane and then fly here. So they needed a lot of medical attention and we didn't have a lot of supplies. So we had to become very creative quickly in how to care for these people and take care of them as best we could while they're making as many plans as possible on how we were going to handle the refugees coming in. As the runways got clear, we started flying more and more into, uh, into Afghanistan. And now as we're landing in Kabul, it's not like landing at Bagram where you're on a secure military base. You're landing in the middle of a city. It's a city airport. So and part of the security of that airport is the Taliban and the Marines. So it's just a very unique um, circumstances. We as critical care air transport nurses and uh, team to get our patients, they don't bring them to us. We have to go to the hospital to pick up our patients. The hospital is about two-and-a-half blocks inside of Kabul, so it isn't just walking to a hospital. We're getting through where the Taliban is. We have to go through the gates where the Taliban are. The Marines are trying to push back the crowds for us. It's just very, very chaotic. Get our patients, go through it again, and we have to go back and forth for each patient.
0: And so you're picking up these patients. You're walking through a dangerous, hostile area. And, you know, what kind of protection do you even really have as you're trying to wheel or bring patients out on a stretcher if they're immobile? I mean, that's kind of a a crazy situation as I'm listening to you describe it. Um, It doesn't sound like it's very much fun either.
5: No, uh, I had my M9 and that's it. Uh, There was no security for us. We just had to go and it wasn't fun but it was our jobs and we really were a great team where we kept encouraging each other and we just put all of our focus into what we were doing and into our patients so even as i remember like going through those gates with everything going on i would just look at my patient i would look at the meds that are going into them you know just focusing on keeping my patients safe uh, to keep myself busy
0: and so on on the 26th um you've got to make this trek again to bring out uh patients and uh you had to get them on an airplane, and then you had to provide uh care to them as you're uh bringing them to lawn stool so how many patients um were you trying to get out of the hospital and into um into the airplane um uh, on that day
5: yeah it was um It was a different type of chaos when we landed. All the crowds had dispersed uh, because of after the suicide bomb went off, most of the people ran away. But there was still a lot of activity on the ground. There was firefights going on. There was um, vehicles driving around. It was a different type of chaos. We get to the hospital and it's kind of a mass casualty scenario. There's lots and lots of injured people and the small hospital was overwhelmed. So they wanted us to take as many as we possibly could. We ended up taking six CCAT patients, which is your six patients on life support. And the uh, other crew, the Aeromedical Evacuation crew that was with us, they ended up taking, I believe, 17 um, additional patients as well. And then we even had a few refugees that we were able to pack on the back as well because that's still our mission. Even though we're working with um, these patients, we're still trying to evacuate people. And then exactly, we had to fly eight hours to Germany, and these patients were not flight-worthy by any means, like you would have never accepted these patients to fly in normal circumstances, they were very unstable. We had um, one of the Marines, he they had opened his chest wide open to start stop bleeding and then closed it, so he had four chest tubes, very unstable. We had an 18 month old who had traumatic brain injury, multiple trauma, he was very, um lost his airway, lost his IV in flight. We had another patient who was hemorrhaging. We had to do a massive blood transfusion. So there was a lot going on on that eight-hour flight the entire time.
0: And I think that we should point out that you weren't dealing with just um, Afghan patients. You had, as you mentioned, a Marine in there, other injured uh, U.S. military service members as well.
5: Yes, that flight was mostly the U.S. Um, Marines uh, on that flight, So which has was very um humbling to be able to take care of them um in that time of need
0: and so i know that you'll say hey i'm just doing my job and uh you know those events uh your actions your bravery is what led to then you being the first air national guard flight nurse to be presented the distinguished flying cross. And, uh, and again, I know you'll say, Hey, I'm just doing my job, but you know, I'm looking at headlines that you've received. Um, you know, you helped save lives in Afghanistan. Now you've earned the military's top flight medal, uh, Afghanistan hero from Urbandale earns the distinguished flying cross. This is near Iowa public radio. And then there's just headline after headline after headline, um, What's this really mean to you? What does what is, what is Katie Lanning think about this attention that you're getting?
5: It's definitely overwhelming for me as an individual, but when I take a step back and realize how important it is for nursing to be recognized it makes me very very proud to help recognize nursing because there's nursing does so much and so I think it's amazing that nursing is getting this recognition as well as the Minnesota Guard Um, like you mentioned earlier I was one Minnesota Guardsman that went over there but there's Guardsmen all over the world doing amazing things so I think it's really important to show Minnesota specifically is involved in so many amazing things across the world and the important part that the Guard can play.
0: Well, I wish that we could uh, spend another hour just talking through uh, your experiences in the event on that day. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, we don't have that kind of time. But I just want to say, one, thank you for your service. Uh, Thank you for saying, yes, I will go and do that, because no doubt uh, your actions saved the lives of the people that you um, had to fly with and perform Uh, that immediate care to. And so I just want to say thank you again for your service. And I really, really appreciate uh, you spending time with Minnesota Military Radio.
5: Thank you so much for having me.
0: That is Major Katie Lunning, who received the Distinguished Flying Cross for her actions on the 26th of August, 2021, in Kabul, Afghanistan. We're just about out of time, and I'd like to let you know that this show is for you. If you have topic suggestions, if you have show feedback, or if you're a Minnesota veteran and you'd like to share your story, please go to minnesotamilitaryradio.com, click on Contact Us, and send us a message. I'd like to thank our guests for joining us this week, the Hibben family, the Danzig family, of course, the interview with Major Katie Lunning, and then Commissioner Brad Lindsay of the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, and finally, Minnesota's Adjutant General, Major General Sean Mankey. Please join us again next week. We're going to have regular programming. And that'll be coming up next weekend on this station or online anytime at minnesotamilitaryradio.com. I'm Doug Wortham. I would like to thank you for listening to this edition of Minnesota Military Radio. I hope you have a great week and you find a way to make a positive impact. On someone's life. Minnesota Military Radio is a production of iHeartMedia, Media, the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, the Minneapolis VA, Beyond the Yellow Ribbon, and the Minnesota National Guard. Your host is Tom Lyons, founder and owner of Phelan Partners Limited, a merger and acquisition advisory firm. Tom is a life member of the American Legion,
1: VFW, Vietnam Veterans of America, and the DAV. For podcasts and the latest updates, follow us at minnesotamilitaryradio.com.